comes up I'm driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever till the day that I died I said 18 wheels rolling on the road It is my life 18 wheels rolling on the road It is my life Hello everyone, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministry, and I want to introduce you to my new partner. Hi, my name's Fred, Fred Mooney, and I am glad to be in the cab with you today. Yeah, we're going to ride along with you for about the next hour or so. And I'm so excited, if you hear something you want to hear again, give Gary a call at Lonesome Road Ministry, 618-383-2107. That's 618-383-2107. 2107. Call today. We look forward to hearing from you, and we're going to have Church on the Road right here on your favorite radio station. 414, a big blue mag. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day that I die. I said, 18 wheels rolling on the road. is my life and it's fred mooney's life he's my partner i am so glad to be here this morning and we're gonna listen to a friend of ours and a volunteer of the ministry uh, alice mccormick yeah alice is going to share her testimony with us today uh, she's all excited and can't wait to get started so let's introduce alice mccormick to our listeners right now so alice we're so glad that you're in the cab with us today and we're going to have church on the road. I'm ready to have church on the road, and it's been a long time since I've been in the cab. Yeah. But uh, my daddy had a had a semi, and so I do know a little bit about the being in the cab. And I remember one day back when I was I was about 15, I believe then, and I was at my sister's house in Geneseo. And he picked me up. Now, he wasn't supposed to have a rider, but he did have a, a, a sleeper, and there was a curtain between me and him, so he kept the curtain pulled. And uh, so I rode in the cab, in the sleeper, to Michigan City, Indiana, where my mom was uh, visiting her sister, and so I was going to ride home with her. Now, 
I know you guys out on the road, you're going to probably understand this, but I can tell you for a child, this was a scary experience. Um, I was watching through the curtain of that cab, and I could see my dad nodding asleep driving that big truck, and it just like, Dad, wake up. And he says, I'm not sleeping. I said, you're nodding your head. Wake up. And he said, Alice, I'm not sleeping. So I assume that my dad probably drove more miles asleep than I have ever driven in my whole 67 years awake. So I praise God for looking after him and everybody else on the road. Uh, well, Alice, tell us a little bit about growing up with your dad as uh, being on the road all the time and how it was for you. I know you talked about being uh, your dad's helper out there when he was greasing his truck and everything else. So share a little bit of that with, with the listeners out there. Well, my dad started out, um, oh, I don't know uh, when exactly. I mean, this was about his maybe fourth job, but he, he worked for Dallas and Mavis and he was, he hauled cars, which I remember Mm. loving to run up and down those, those uh, racks that the cars would go up on and, and thinking of how scary that would be to drive that one up there that's about to fall off the front. But um, then he went to work for uh, dealers transit. And so he became long distance driver then and he was gone for a month at a time which that tells a lot about how you miss your dad that he was gone and missed a lot of important occasions he he wasn't there for my eighth grade graduation and wasn't there to cheer me on when I was a cheerleader he wasn't there well he always promised mom he'd be there for Christmas but I do know he missed a few Thanksgivings and it just, it's a job that I, I understand. I don't care if you're on vacation, if you're taking a Sunday drive, what you're doing, you're going to see truck drivers out there. Most of them have families at home, and they'd like to see that person home with them too. But the truckers do have a very important job. You're not going to have food on your table, and you're not going to have the needs you have that you go to the store and take for granted and if it's not for a trucker out there. So I'm, I'm thankful that my dad was a tru- truck driver, and I know it was an important job, but, boy, I missed him at home. And my mom missed him. He was, uh, he was not there to have a social life for her, and, and um, she really missed him. When he got home, he, she wanted him to go out and do the things that she had to do by herself when he was gone. And uh, Dad wanted to stay home and have a home-cooked meal and, and just sit back by the fire and kick up his heels and watch TV and just enjoy home life for a little bit. But uh, So it does cause us conflicts at home. Um, but I do, I do thank the drivers. Now, to spend time with my dad as a little girl, I would be out in the driveway with him, and I'd hand him tools. I'd grease the fifth wheel or just whatever I can do to spend time with him because I did miss him terribly. Yeah, I still remember what it was like after I got saved. I used to think about my family at home and my wife, and 
I got to thinking about that one night about my wife and how much she must felt and the kids at home and and I wrote this uh, in a song called 18 Wheeler you drive my love away <laughs> and I wrote those lyrics out and and I give them to uh, Jessica Horton down there at uh, Columbus, Mississippi. She's part of Mac Records and uh, part of Lonesome Road Ministry, partnering with us to help drivers out on the road. And I'll tell you, Jessica Horton and Dennis McKay of Mac Records, they turned this into a song that I'm proud to say that I got to help write. It's called 18 Wheeler, You Drive My Love Away. Here's Jessica Horton to sing it.
hopefully we're going to uh, be able to help as many drivers as we can have a relationship not only with their family but a relationship with their Lord and Savior and that's what this ministry is all about is lifting up the name of Jesus and drawing people to him and once they become Christian people then they have a different outlook on their family yes they do yeah and so that's that's what this ministry is all about and we're so glad that you're part of it and uh, so tell us when did you get saved Alice well, I got saved when I was nine years old. Uh, my family, my mom and dad, they didn't go to church. So it was by the grace of God that I was in the care of a couple that lived up the road. And, and they were my example of what a Christian family was like. They lived that Christian life. They... It, spilled over into everything that they did but they took me to church and that's where I learned about Jesus and I I got I was so close with them they become my grandma and grandpa and I they were always a part of my life and they're a big part of my all my childhood memories that are good and I'm I'm just thankful that they were they were put there by God to, to minister to me and to plant those seeds that I was going to need to live by throughout my life. Mm-hmm. So uh, how old was you when you got saved, Alice? I was nine. Uh-huh. I was nine years old. I know Gary asked me about sharing my testimony, and I said, well, with what I've listened to, these CDs that are part of the ministry, is like, I don't have a testimony like that, but uh, we all have a testimony, and... God has put me through some tests, and I have had several monies through that whole process. Um, but I just hope that by sharing my testimony, it will help someone else down the road. That's why we go through those tests. Amen. So you got saved when you was uh, nine years old, is that right? That's right. Uh, you're, do you still remember that day? That, I do remember that yeah, day. Yeah. And I I don't have the whole concept that I do now of what it's like to be to be saved. Yeah, of course. I just I knew that I had sin in my life because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I knew I had sin in my life and I knew I wanted Jesus as my savior and I knew he had paid the price for all of it. Mhm. So that much I understood, and and that's all I needed to know. That's enough. That's enough. (laughs) Keep it simple, right? That's right. Keep it simple. Yeah. And uh, so you got saved when you was nine years old. Uh, Did you go home and tell your parents? Absolutely. I was was excited. I really was. I, you know, I, it was kind of a, it was a little bit of a hard thing because, like I said, I'm going into a home that they don't live that Christian life. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom and dad were good people. Don't let me lead you strong anyway away from that. They were good people and honest people. And other than having that Christian name around it, I, you would have called them Christian because they were good people. But uh, it was kind of hard to share it with them because I didn't know if they would understand. But I was happy to share it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how did they receive that? Well, they they seemed happy for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was probably they felt my joy, and they just happy for their child sure. to be happy. 
And so uh, after that, you just stayed in church the whole time? Oh, sure, sure, <laughs> sure I did. Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I, about in my teen years, I was, I was in church until I got married. Yeah. And now my husband, his family went to church, not regularly, but his family went to church. And so I really assumed my life would be involved in church, but it wasn't. And with everything that goes on in your teen and early life there, it, it was pretty easy to, to stay out of church. There were a lot of other things to do and, uh, not the best things, but mm. a lot of things to do. Yeah. So you got away from the Lord for a while. I did. Yeah. I did. I, you know, I, I don't want to say I went down the, the deep hole, but I, you know, if you're not in church, you're not living as close to the Lord as, as you need to be. Sure. And I, I never denied the fact that I was saved. I never denied the fact that, that God was in me. Yeah. But the the people that we associated with and and where we went did not reflect what God would want of me. Mm-hmm. And my first marriage ended in divorce, so I found myself to be a single mother with a one year old son, mm-hmm. and I was broken. Because I struggled with the fact that I wasn't enough. So my life and my story comes with a lot of shame. Some of the shame I had nothing to do with, but I took it on me. So I, I really got close to the Lord and I, I asked. I asked for a godly man that would be a good stepdad to my son. That was my priority. I didn't put any specifications other than that. And little did I know on the other end, there was a a man out there that his 25-year marriage had ended. And he'd been going to his his church and getting down on his knees at the altar every night for a year he said there was two nights that he wasn't able to make it because he was out of town and he would go there and pray for a good companion to go the distance with his with his life Wow. And he said he would go, and from one night to the next, he could still feel the carpet being wet where he'd cried the night before. So my prayers met up with his, and God had a plan. Hmm. And we met through mutual people. I worked for a veterinarian, and he had cattle, and so... That vet had said, well, you need to meet my secretary. <laughs> and so um, he got my number. He called me and, and wanted to know if I wanted to go out. And 
In the process of that phone call, he said, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm 25. And he said, oh, my gosh. He said, I've got a daughter that turned 25 just a few days ago. And I said, well, some of us are older than others. And we did meet. We went to the Mount Vernon truck stop and met there and drank coffee for hours and believe it or not, he asked me out for another date. And so the next next night, he took me and showed me where he where he lived. And then he took me down to the church where he had knelt at the altar. And we both bowed down there and prayed. And it wasn't too long till I became Mrs. Glenn McCormick. Oh, wow. I'll tell you, Alice, uh, listening to your story, listening to your testimony reminds me of a song that uh, our good friend Ann Davenport sings. It's called Healing Scars. And some of the lyrics in this song, uh, Lord, here's my pain, my guilt and shame. I forgive and lay them down once again. And that's what... uh, you're talking about guilt and shame, and uh, you're laying them down, and you're starting a new, new life. And another line in the song is, let healing flow to someone else through my scars. You know, you're sharing your testimony today, and it is going to help someone out there who has went through a lot of the things that you're going through. And so thank you so much for sharing your heart and Let's listen to Ann Davenport's song, Healing Scars. They led Jesus from the garden Where he had prayed alone They crucified the Savior Rejected by his own But it pleased the father to bruise him He could see down in our hearts He knew someday that we'd be saved And there'd be healing through his scars Lord, here's my pain Guilt and shame I forgive and lay them down Once again Lord, here's my heart That was torn apart Let healing flow to someone through my scars Give him your pain Your guilt and shame Just forgive and lay them down again Give him your heart 
story yeah she's praying for a godly man he's praying for a godly woman and god makes this happen it reminds me of the the story of abraham and isaac where he was taking him up to yeah to sacrifice him and god was bringing the sheep up yeah all along right at the same time and they met at the top that's kind of like your story right there you was praying glenn was praying and God was working, and he was bringing you two to meet. And when you met. I believe there's a, there's a great lesson in life right there. Yeah, that is. Is that if, if you want a good wife, you need to pray for a godly wife and be a godly man for that wife. <laughs> amen, amen. So you and Glenn got married, and, and uh, you was 25 years old. Yes. And Glenn was, how old was Glenn? He, well, was, he was 19 years older than I was. Okay, so, yeah, he was. That was uh, one of those, it has to be a God thing for yeah, that to work, right? It, yeah, that was a, definitely a God thing. I guess everybody uh, probably accepted that, didn't they? Oh, sure. <laughs> now, that's another one of those oh, sures. Um, yeah. No, that was not a, that was not a conventional kind of marriage, I guess you'd say. Um, he lived in a small town, and he had close people to him that that really went through all of his trials after his marriage had ended, and now they accepted me just fine. But when I came into that small town where everybody knows everybody, they didn't know me, and it I felt a lot of um, shame because they, I felt like they looked at me as if I was a gold digger or, you know, whatever. But I did, I did see their whispers and I did see their judging eyes. Mm -hmm. So, no, it wasn't accepted by everybody yeah. <laughs> by any means. But we know that God put it together. And, yes, yes, he did. You guys were married for... Uh, 18 years. 18 years. Mm -hmm. so, and he was a wonderful stepdad to my son. Yeah. And he he gave him lessons in life he would have never received. Yeah. And Sean thinks of him as dad still to, to this day. Now, yeah. he has his own dad, and they have their relationship, but Glenn was right up there mm. with him. Yeah, so you had 18 great years that God gave you with, with Glenn. Absolutely. They were wonderful years. Glenn, he had a business, a sawmill business, so um, he wanted me to quit my job at the 
veterinary and be there on the farm. So I, I did the book work for the sawmill, and I, I was a gopher. I run after parts here and run after parts there, and and he wanted me a, to be a, a mother at home for my son as well, and that's that's quite a calling right there. And we were very active in Ellis Mound Missionary Baptist Church. Um, I, when I first came there, I, there were some people that just welcomed me with open arms, and there was others that had to learn learn that I was I was the real deal. Yeah. And I became treasurer. I played the piano. I was youth leader for a while. I vacation Bible school director. Whatever needed that I felt I could do, I did. Yeah, and you used to sing too, didn't you? I, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I remember you and, singing. And when you don't do it, you lose it. So <laughs> don't ask me to do it now. Okay, we won't, we won't have you sing right now. <laughs> but uh, I do like to make a joyful noise, though. Glenn had a, we'd found out that he had a, a valve that had gone bad. So he needed a valve replacement. He had bypass surgery and then the carotid arteries had to be cleaned out um now when he went in the hospital you know you never know what's ahead one day to the next and uh when he went to the hospital it's more or less people go in for open heart surgery and they either get out of there in about five days or they die you know it's kind of like that was kind of what i thought my my future was i but when you sign those papers that they give you before you have surgery, yeah. there was a 2% chance that things wouldn't go the way we thought it would go. And that's what happened. Yeah. Glenn had multiple strokes to both sides of the brain. It affected his occipital lobe, which that just meant he had like a little pie-shaped vision in the upper right corner of, of both eyes. So he lost all of his peripheral vision and down below. So he couldn't, couldn't uh, maneuver very well. I, I kind of became, came his eyes. For a long time, he laid in a, in a coma. We come to the point there that we might have to make that decision that nobody wants to make as to whether you pull the plug or not. And uh, the morning that we were going to have to make that decision, I went in, and I, as I was talking, the nurse said, keep talking to him. I said, well, I always talk to him when I come in. Or, no, keep talking to him. So I kept talking, and she could see how he was responding on the monitor. Mm. So he was coming back, and I didn't have to make that decision. Wow. Well, the doctors told him when he finally came to himself. Well, he told me, and I mean, the doctor told me that he's going to be like a vegetable. Well, when he got his voice to him, he said, well, I'll be the biggest green bean they ever did, see? <laughs> so it was, it was a long, I mean, he was in therapy for about four years off of, uh, three, maybe three years there. Um, and I mean, he had to, he had to learn everything again. And he, 
he had several disabilities, so he was never able to dress himself and you know, he just needed assistance. He he got to where he could walk on his own and that kind of thing, but you did have to watch where he was at because he couldn't, like I said, that vision problem was there. But uh, that man loved people, mm-hmm. and you couldn't have kept him out of a crowd if you wanted to. We always went to the coffee shop every evening. I mean, it was it was like clockwork. Well, he no longer could drive, so it was always he and I, that went to the coffee shop. And uh, so while he'd been sick and and in the hospital and stuff like that, it had been a long spell since he'd been to the coffee shop. And one evening we were at home, and he said, let's go eat at the coffee shop. And I said, Glenn, I don't think you're ready. I said, you know, I'm going to have to cut your food up, and I'm going to have to try and keep it on your plate for you and stuff. I said, I don't think you're ready. He said, I'm ready. He said, it's you that are not ready. Wow. So um, I was trying to save him from any embarrassment, but he mm. knew it was me yeah. that was might be embarrassed. But I tell you, I... If he was going to be have a patient to take care of, he was the best one. He had had the best um, attitude, and he just didn't make a miss a click on anything. <laughs> Wonderful man. Yeah, he was. Yeah, uh, that's about about the time you met my wife, Linda, wasn't it? Oh uh, yes, it was. Um, oh, I tell you, when I came home and. Well, there were just a lot of adjustments to make. I, you know, I needed to try and keep the sawmill going, and we had cattle and horses, and and had a home to run, and I had a 16-year-old son at that time, and it was like, oh my gosh, I can't do it all. I I tried for a while. I tried, but I thought then I've got to be find some way to get some relief. So. Um, Glenn's daughter told me about Linda, Mm -hmm. that she cleans houses, and so she said, she'll do you a good job, just just give her a call. And Linda came, and I tell you, she really became part of the family. Um, I tell you, if you ever have to open your home up to a stranger, you'll know what I'm talking about. It was just wonderful to have somebody that you could trust you could walk away and know that everything was going to be fine and she just did us a wonderful job and that took a big load off of my off of my mind and off of my list of things I had to do yeah God works in mysterious ways sometimes yes Uh, he does yeah he, he brought you and Linda together and you became friends and then you stayed friends over the years and and then uh not too long ago, God brought you to Lonesome Road Ministry. I was just going to ask you that. How did you end up being a volunteer for Lonesome Road Ministry? Well, Gary and Linda had recently come to uh, Orchardville Church, and I really didn't know Gary that well. I mean, I knew of him and, you know, CDs and that kind of thing, but I, I didn't know Gary. But he was getting ready to have uh, their conference here at the his new location here in Keynes, Illinois, and I just 
I was looking for something to do, and I just said, do you need any help for that conference? And Linda said, well, yeah, I'm sure we do. I'll let you know. And I said, well, I'll serve food or take the garbage out or whatever you want me to do. So it ended up that I came and helped with the conference, and oh, my, what an eye-opening experience. Um I tell you, the, the chaplains came from states away, miles and miles and miles away, and they were like family, and they shared such a common bond and mission, and I was just blown away by everything I saw and experienced. I never had anything like that, and just being here at the conference, like I said, it, it, it was such a... Mm. Well, it was a different experience. I, that's all I can tell you. It was loving and warm and friendly and, I don't know, a lot of, lot of other words that would come along with that. But with my connection with uh, having my daddy being a truck driver, it, it hit home with me a lot more because I understood more about what Gary had been called to do. And... James Payne was the speaker mostly throughout the the whole conference but he he preached on sowing that seed that monetary seed into the ministry and how it would multiply and I mean I've been a tither for most all of my life and I know about giving gifts, and, you know, I I understood that part of it, and I know God blesses you in each one of those things, but I, and to tell you I understand about this seed giving, no, I do not, and I've talked to Gary, I don't understand it, but I'm telling you, the, the Holy Spirit was powerful, and I wanted to sow into this ministry because I believed so much in what Gary was doing, what the chaplains were doing, getting that message out. You know, like I, you know, I'm in my church and I'm in my neighborhood, but I don't travel all these roads that they do. And I just believed in the ministry. So when James asked for people they that sow into the ministry, he Gary needs a a new printer and he needs <laughs> new burners and you know he needs this and that and just you know but I just I just knew that I had to give into this ministry and I can tell you that I have experienced monetary blessings over this past year I mean I I've got a little bit of farm ground and the gentleman that farms my ground. He's he's a Christian as well. But this past year, we had the best crop that we have ever had on that farm. Ever. I'm talking ever. And that seed right there and the harvest part, I remembered that when that happened. But my life the changes that came in my life 
by working in this ministry, it gave me purpose. And I'm telling you, I needed purpose at that point in my life. And I had been searching for ways to get plugged into the community after I moved back. And I, I mean, with all my physical efforts, I could not get plugged in to the little town I live in now. And they started playing pickleball across the street from me at a local church. And I, I joined the pickleball, and I love that, and I have fun. And one of the girls from our church, Orcherville Church, she started line dance lessons. And I took her line dance lessons, and that got me plugged into another good group of people. And I met a, a friend there, a girlfriend from the town I live in, and we go to the little dances that are around, and we just have a good, clean time, you know. And I'm just telling you that God cares about every little detail of your life. He wants you to have fun. He wants you to have the finances. He wants you to have these blessings and purpose in your life. So I'm telling you, I, I don't know if there's any more coming in. Oh, yes, by the way, my farmer did stop in just yeah. a day ago and brought me another check that I wasn't planning on. It was like <laughs> because we couldn't plant the the wheat crop and there was a prevent wheat pl payment that was coming. It's like, uh, I couldn't believe it, you know. <laughs> so I'm just saying I uh, that seed stuff, I don't understand it, but it works. Maybe. So that that was my start of in the door at Lonesome Road. Mm -hmm. And then a few weeks later, um, I understood that one of the volunteers had passed away. And I had had a, a computer that went down, and the motherboard went down. And I had a bunch of CDs that I had used for backup. So I, I wanted to find a home for them. So I asked Linda if, if Gary could use them here at the, at the Lonesome Road. And she said, well, go talk to him. Well, that's how I got to be a volunteer. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you called and uh, asked me about the CDs, and I said, yeah, bring them by. <laughs> and uh, then uh, you asked if there was anything else. I, how, how did that happen? I forgot. Well, I, you said, well, I've got one of the ladies that was coming and she was always so faithful, but that was her husband that had passed away. Yeah, yeah. Sandra Knight. Yep, and Burtis had passed away, and Sandra hadn't gotten her license yet. She couldn't drive, so she lived at Carmichael, so it was, a, it was a distance for her to come and no way to get here. So Gary was needing some help, um, and I kind of thought it might be just until she could get back. <laughs> But he showed me. I said, well, I don't know whether I can do what you need, but show me what, what it is. So we went in to where they print the CDs and, and burn them. And we went through about, I don't know, maybe maybe one time through, whatever. And I thought, oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. <laughs> and now you you get to do it uh, about every day, don't you? Yeah. Well, anytime. Yeah, I <laughs> I come and go whenever God, or Gary's needing me here, yeah. you know, and stuff. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it it was a God thing, uh, God bringing you into the ministry because uh, I was definitely 
needing help and Sandra and uh, Don Baselli, they come from Carmi. They they come one day a week. And then and Alice, she's here close by, so whenever I need somebody, she's she's always available and I appreciate that so much. God they, is good, isn't he? God is good, yeah. And then after the conference then uh, you became part of Lonesome Road Ministry and and now you are becoming part of Channel 21 Ministry, which is part of Lonesome Road Ministry. You have become our secretary and uh, helping us with uh, the chaplain program that we do every week on that. So uh, God is just raising you up to new levels, isn't he? Well, he is with your boot in my rear. <laughs> 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 now, that's a funny way to put it. <laughs> well, he's stretching me, and, and uh, Gary's seeing to it that I stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Christians are like rubber bands. You have to stretch them to get them put to use. <laughs> there you go. And you're doing that. Obedience does equal blessings, and God wants us to uh, be obedient to what he calls us to do, what he tells us to do, whether it's sowing a seed, whether it's going and asking to be part of a ministry volunteering for uh, your home church or your ministry, whatever it is, when you're obedient, God wants to bless everything that we do. Obedience is the key. So, Alice, you talked about James Payne and our conference, and you've talked about a lot of things. And James Payne is such a big part of Lonesome Road Ministry. He has helped us out tremendously since uh, he came on board in 2015. I tell you, uh, Lonesome Road is blessed to have so many people working together uh, in this ministry to reach out to others. It's always about reaching out and helping those that are out there on the road. You know, God is always wanting to use us in ways that we never thought, dreamed, or even imagined. And sometimes the hardest part is letting go. And there's a song that James Payne wrote, and he wrote a, about his wife uh, passing away and uh, you've experienced what James is writing about and singing about in this song and it's coming face to face with the unknown. I love James Payne. He's such a great gifted singer, songwriter, evangelist and here's his song, Letting Go. Standing there on the creek bank Oak tree and a rope swing My knees were shaking Man, I was scared to death I heard my best friend Bo say Come on man, it's time to roll When you hit that water Just hold your breath Looking back now I can see wasn't to fall, oh no The hardest part was letting go I try to just hold on But Lord knows I'm not that strong And I felt like giving up a time or two Sometimes the best laid plans are Better left in God's hands when you realize 
that's all that you can do When you're face to face with the unknown The hardest part is letting go Sitting there by her bedside I watch her fighting for her life The doctor says We've done all we can I try to keep the faith I pray If there's any other way Don't want to say goodbye But Lord I understand Heaven's on the other side this one thing I know But the hardest part Is letting go I try to just hold on But Lord knows I'm not that strong And I felt like giving up a time or two Sometimes the best laid plans are Better left in God's hands when you realize there's nothing you can do. When you're face to face with the unknown, the hardest part is letting go. Heaven's on the other side, this one thing I know. But the hardest part is letting go Yeah, the hardest part, oh, the hardest part is letting go So Alice, we want to thank you for uh, joining us today in the cab And I especially want to thank you for being a part of Lonesome Road Ministry and jumping in there and doing everything that been asked of you to do above and beyond <laughs> some things you haven't asked for but i i ask you to help me uh like the channel 21 program uh, I, I knew i needed help for that and you've jumped in there and and said here am i use me i tell you i don't i don't know what volunteer job that you could have that could be filled with more blessings than this one has been to me. Um, to be able to be a part of a ministry that puts the the things that people need, whether it's a tract or a Bible or a CD testimony, whatever, in the hands of people that are out there that need it so badly. I mean, I I am just so thankful to be a part of it it's it's not a job mm -hmm. it's not a job at all it's it's a joy <laughs> well thank you and we appreciate you is there anything you'd like to say to the drivers or the listeners before we close today's program i love and appreciate all you drivers out there i do encourage you you have resources now that i didn't have when i was a little girl you've got your You've got your cell phones. You've got a way to keep in touch with your families. Make them a priority. Um, sure. 
give them encouragement because they need you home and lift them up. Let them know how important they are and how how much they are supporting you out there so that you don't have to worry about what's going on at home. Let them, let them know if they're doing a good job. Let them know and let them know how much you miss them. Well, we really appreciate you, Alice, and uh, for not only for today's program, but for all that you're doing here at Lonesome Road Ministry. You take chances, burn the candle at both ends, circumstances. Brought you here again Standing on the edge Just about to fall One step away From losing it all You keep running But no matter how you try There's nowhere to go No place to hide Have you fallen on your knees and made promises that you didn't keep? Ask yourself before it's too late. How much grace is it gonna take to bring you back to me? defenses build a wall around your heart consequences have torn your world apart I keep reaching out you keep turning me away breaking my heart with each passing day you keep running There's nowhere to go No place to hide How many times Have you fallen on your knees And made promises That you didn't keep Ask yourself Before it's too late To bring you back to me Ask yourself Before it's too late How much grace Is it gonna take To bring you back to me Friends, we want to ask you today, if you died today, would you go to heaven? That's the question we want to ask you. You know, that's the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. 
if you died today, do you know 100% in your heart that you'd make heaven your home? You know, Fred, the, the Bible gives us that assurance that we have salvation. It's found in 1 John chapter 5 and verse, uh, let me just read it to you, verse 13. It says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You, we can know that. It's, it's right here in, in the Bible. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That is such a comfort yeah. to know that you're going to make heaven your home should you die. And, you know, I know we're making this for everybody, but you take a trucker out here on these highways, he comes within inches of death every day he drives. Yes, he does. You're exactly right. So, friends, drivers, if you don't know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven, then pray a little prayer with us right now and pray this with all your heart. And God will save you. It's guaranteed right here in this book. Just pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I surrender my life to you. I want to be a Christian, and I want that assurance that I have a home in heaven. And I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And if you've prayed this prayer and meant it with your heart, We'd love for you to contact us at 618-383-2107, or you can contact us at lonesomeroad.org. That's right, Fred. We want to hear from the the drivers out there. We'd love to talk to them. We want to pray with them. Uh, We want to pray for them, and we want to bless them as they've blessed us by being a part of Lonesome Road Ministry. God bless you all, and remember... God loves you. And we do too. We'll talk at you later. At the crossroads of life, lost without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Hey drivers, we appreciate you letting us ride along with you in the cab. And you can contact us at 618-383-2107 or you can log on to our website at lonesomeroad.org and check us out on the web. You can listen to all of our radio programs on our website on our broadcast from the past page. So check it out. And if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, then give us a call and let us know. been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree those 18 wheels are rolling down that old lonesome road and I shared the good news 
Yes, there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be And I tell everybody What's happened to me How I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past But I called his name This chance, could it be my last? Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree 